Welcome to Fantline Sports Rant with Marvin Fant, podcast number 21. And in this one, I'm going to be talking about the WWE 2020 Money in the Bank, which was complete garbage. And also I'll be talking about The Last Dance, episodes 7 and 8, which was no surprise that MJ, Michael Jordan, was a bully. I'll get into that later. But first, I want to talk about, oh my goodness, this (laughs) stupid train wreck, car wreck, pay-per-view of WWE's. Now, at first, I liked the concept of it. It was a little something different. You know, I had discussed this with my, my oldest son, Kelvin. You know, he's a big WWE fan. So we, we converse every so often on what's, what's going on in the wrestling world. Okay, I'm a big wrestling fan. Check out the WWE. So... The concept of the of this different money of in the bank match is the wrestlers are starting from the ground floor of the WWE offices and they work their way up via staircase or elevator to the top floor where a ring is comprised and at the top of the ring, they, they have um, two money in the bank suitcases hanging there. One for the women, one for the men. And at first I was thinking, okay, how big is the ring going to be? Will it be far enough away from the, the, the ledge of the building? And of course, they took those safety precautions in hand, because I noticed that the ring itself was far away from the actual edge of the building, but there was a another small ledge 
that um, that came into play later, later on. But I'll get to that also. But as I was saying, <laughs> this was a total disappointment. Now, they had several regular matches. And um, it, it seemed like they wanted to get those out of the way so they can get to the main event, so to speak. No titles changed hands. And since the WWE really, I guess, they they, they really didn't put too much emphasis in these matches. And the matches were somewhat decent. I'll, I'll give them that. But they really didn't play into it. Because the, the the big hype was this particular match, the, the main event. So no titles changed hands, and uh, I was a little disappointed in that. But then again, this is the WWE, and I'm not surprised. So, <clears throat> like I said, no titles changed hands, and decent matches. Since the WWE saw to it that they didn't want to change any titles and really put too much emphasis on the matches itself, those those regular matches, well, then I'm not going to go into it. <clears throat> now, when the Money in the Bank match started, you had the women. They were in the lobby. Okay? And the men, they were in a gym. To start off. Now, Asuka, who was in the match, she jumped from a. Now they they call out the they call out each woman, and each one of them stood beside each other, waiting to be announced. So when they called Asuka, she was the last one. Everybody looked around; they didn't see her. And lo and behold, she was at the. Right above them on a uh, on a small ledge, so she jumps off, crashes into everybody. Then she gets up. Elevator door opens, and she runs into the elevator. Now, cut to the men; they start off in the gym, and then it it, it came to my, you know, I, I was thinking. You know, it can get pretty dangerous in there. You know, you got all these, this equipment, heavy, it's iron, metal, and so forth. And these, these guys are going to be slinging each other around. So to me, that was, <clears throat> that was a little too dangerous to do that. But they did it anyway and successful, successfully pulled that off. <clears throat> So, moving on to to this, I I say ridiculousness, Otis, and I I just kept calling him a big goof. I mean, this guy is just so, I don't know, he, 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 he just, it's just something about him I just can't stand. Well, first of all, he's just a goof. Him and AJ Styles are going at it. It's 
So he, he knocks AJ to the ground, then puts a, a set of weights on him. And supposedly that was going to be holding AJ down. <clears throat> so I guess we just had to go along with it and use our imaginations. And that was just stupid right there. Then they show Rey Mysterio. He's running along with the rest of them because they're, they're running through the corridors and halls. And he's just about to go past the, the restroom and he hears somebody in there. He stops and looks. And lo and behold, there's Brother Love. And Brother Love says, I love you. And I'm like, okay, really? What was the purpose of him being in there? What was the purpose of him being there? Again, that was another stupid moment. It didn't have anything to do with anything. And then Ray smiles and then takes off. <clears throat> then they show Daniel Bryan and King Corbin. They're going at it. Then Brian starts giving him the King Corbin the um the yes kicks. Big goof Otis is standing by going chanting yes, yes, yes. And and believe me, he didn't say it that clearly. He sounded like an idiot saying it. So then once Brian finishes with him, with King Corbin, he turns around and kicks the crap out of Big Goof. It gives him several kicks, gets him to the ground, and takes off running. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> then, then, but right after that, some guy, I don't know who it was, he's sitting behind a chair and slowly comes from behind the chair, and it's, it's some guy in a doink face. Again, what does this have to do with the match? Nothing at all. And then they, they have a little clown music playing in the background. <laughs> and I'm thinking, really? I, I'm, I'm watching this idiocy? Really? So now I've, I've got to the point now I, I want to just stop and just turn to the, um, to the Last Dance documentary. But I figured, okay, I'm already watching this train wreck, and I and I got the um, the last dance recording, so I, I I'll, I'll finish it out. So, like I said, <clears throat> this guy comes up from behind the chair with a doink face. Again, nothing to do with the match, and then he slowly goes back behind the chair, <laughs> and I'm looking like, wow. Why did why did why show this? Then they cut back to the women, and they got the women in there going at it. And the women go down; they're, they're beating up each other. And Dana Brooks, she's in it, and all of a sudden she's standing around, and all the the rest of the women are laying on the ground hurt after the beating up each other. So she looks at the ceiling. Oh, there, there's a there's a money in the bank briefcase hanging there. So she figures, hey, I, I just won. 
No, because the idea is to get to the roof. So then they show Stephanie McMahon, and you can tell that she was somewhere else. They, they made it seem like she was in there with them, but she was. You can tell she was. She was. That was on, on a videotape, and she's telling her Dana Brooke that stop being stupid. This is not the um, briefcase you're supposed to be getting. And again, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is truly a train wreck. Cut to the chase again. Now they show everybody, the men and women in the lobby, and they show Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is at a big buffet line by himself, sitting there get, getting ready to eat. And then all the rest are standing around and look as they ran in, and they're looking at each other, and big goof Otis. He mumbles something in almost incoherent words and says, food fight. And then the next thing you know, they're throwing food at each other. I'm like, wow. (laughs) This has truly gotten ridiculous. And again, I'm thinking, why am I watching this? Then I, then I, I, I said, well, I guess... To see how much dumber it can get. (laughs) I had to give myself a reason. So they cut from that. Then they show Oscar. Getting finally getting up to the to the top floor. And they show the rest of the women. They get up there. And I'm just cutting to the chase. I'm not even mentioning names. Oscar won for the women. But but right before that, right before she grabbed the briefcase, King Corbin came up there. He he climbs the ladder. And he's looking to grab the men's briefcase. But I guess maybe he got confused because he was trying to get the women's briefcase. And Oscar was kicking him back, and finally she knocks him off the ladder and grabs the women's briefcase. So then the rest of the men come up there. They're going at it. Big goof Otis tries to climb the ladder, breaks the first step, tries it again, and then he breaks the second step on that same side. And I'm, lo- I'm like, Wow. So they continue fighting. So then AJ Styles gets in there. He attempts to climb the ladder. King Corbin does. They go at it. The ladder, the the the, the briefcase is grabbed. AJ Styles knocks Corbin off. And Brian Daniel. And he fumbles with the, 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 the briefcase. It slips out of his hand and into the hands of Big Goof. So Big Goof Otis wins 
the money in the bank match. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this guy couldn't even, never even climb the ladder, but yet he wins the match. Couldn't climb the ladder, but he wins the match. Never, I mean, just, he couldn't even get up the steps of the ladder, but he wins the match. Ridiculous. Like I said, it was garbage. Fanline, we'll be back in a moment. Thank you and welcome back to uh, Fantline Sports Rant with Marvin Fant. Now, we're going to be talking about The Last Dance, episodes 7 and 8. They talked about Jordan going in and playing baseball, and they explained the situation with his father. His father was killed in 1993. He was on his way to Wilmington, North Carolina to visit some friends. And while he was on the road, he figured he'd pull over and rest up a little bit. Figured he was getting sleepy. So when doing that, two two delinquents, I'll call them, attempted, I guess they, they attempted to rob him. One One of them shot him in the chest and killed him. And I believe it, they said it was about um, a few weeks later when they, they finally found his body in a creek. And the documentary goes on to show how devastated Jordan was. But what I wanted to focus on is the relentlessness of Jordan. The drive and fire and passion for him to win at all costs, which he got from his parents, especially his father. His mother was that way also. The competitive drive, the competitive nature, and... Whatever he did, playing basketball or if it was playing cards or whatever it was, he had to win no matter what. And not only win, but beat you in the ground doing it. (laughs) You know, I used to... (laughs) While playing playing sports, of course, I, I never, you know, what whatever whatever sports I played, it was just local. So, but whenever I played, I always said, I didn't care who you were. If it was my grandmother, I would beat her. I wouldn't. I would not let her win. I was that way with my sons. If you beat me then you earned it. And that's why I can appreciate the way Jordan was. Because I was just a little bit that way. 
but <laughs> I say little bit because he was really, really, really out there. I mean, trash talked his teammates, bullied them, threatened threatened them with fights. You know, he was talking about Scott Burrell, his ex-teammate, how he would try to get Burrell to to um, be more aggressive. He even tried to push him to, to get Burrell to fight, to fight him. But Burrell never bit. He, and, and Michael admitted that Scott was just too nice of a guy. But he did accomplish his goal, and his goal was to prepare Scott Burrell for the playoffs, to prepare him for a push toward the title. He wanted to see, he wanted to push buttons to see if I can trust you in the moment, if I can, co- if I can go to you when the chips were down, when the team needed something from you, could I trust you? And that's basically his his reasoning for um, doing his teammates like that. Now, I noticed that certain certain teammates, I mean, he would just ride the heck out of them. And then others, uh, really not so much. I noticed he pretty much didn't do that with uh, Pippen. And he definitely didn't do that with Rodman. Rodman was just on another plane, another planet, really. And there was no need to push Rodman like that, because quite frankly, Rodman would push back. And Pippen would also. And looking at that type of mentality, I've worked around some people like that. Not not to the extent that Jordan... That, that drive, but I worked around people who they would be bully-like, be very intimidating. And some of Jordan's teammates readily admit that he was very intimidating. Now, I've worked around some people like that, like I said. And I always made it a point now I wasn't bullied in school, and I'm definitely not going to be bullied in the workplace. And there was one particular guy, not going to mention his name, used to work with. And I noticed how he would come at some of the co-workers. And you could tell that they were definitely afraid of him. And I always said to myself, okay. I got something for you if you even try to think about coming at me because, like I said, I don't play that. So, sure enough, he would try to test me to see how far he can go with me. (laughs) I had something totally different for him. I had the word of God. I threw scripture at him. I became relentless toward him. I would come at him with scripture. I would come at him with word. Just totally throwing him off. <clears throat> Till finally he would come to um, a couple of buddies of mine and say, hey, get, 
could you get Marvin to stop? Get him off of me. Because it, it got to a point I was looking, I was looking to see him. I was seeking him out. And then I had to think about, okay, I don't want to. Now, you know, it was like I was turning into the bully. So I had to stop. And this is really not Christian like. But the thing is, I turned the tables on him. Now, with getting back to Jordan. Now, again, that was a a different situation, different scenario. But. I know of the bully type. And Michael Jordan was and probably still is the bully type, depending on what type of setting you get him in. And I can definitely see why most of his teammates were intimidated by him. First of all, he was a great player. He walked the walk and talked the talk on the court. So basically, he backed up what he was about. So you pretty much couldn't, if you were being intimidated, and he, it was like he, he was saying, okay, I've got my resume to back up what I'm saying. What do you got? With the exception of riding my coattails, what do you have? So in that regard, they pretty much had to fall in line and adhere to his whims and what he had to say and do, <clears throat> because obviously the method was working. His idea, his way of thinking was, I need to elevate you to my level. Whatever weakness you got going on, I want to exploit that and try to strengthen you. And the only way I know how to do that is to intimidate, to bully, to, co- to um, cajole you into the way that you should be as a ball player. Now, outside of the, the locker room and so forth, they say he was very, and it showed in the, in the documentary that he was very jovial, very playful, once the game wasn't going on and once they weren't in practice. Now, practice, that's when he really, really was intimidating. A very imposing figure when it came to practice. But for the most part, like I said, for the most part, it worked because it was all about winning the championships. And they got six rings as the fruition of Jordan's whims. So they can't deny it and pretty much can't complain about it. And then they also said, once you were a friend of Jordan, he would really take care of you. So... You, you had that flip side of him. But it, it was pretty, I think, refreshing to see that side exposed. And it was something that people had talked about, you heard about. But now it was to the forefront. It was to the forefront 
exposed and Jordan didn't shy away from it. He be, he admitted, hey, I get up, I got up in these guys' butts. I make no bones about it. I admit it. Because that's how I rolled. So like I said, <clears throat> I I again I don't I don't like working around that type of person. Okay? Don't like working most people don't like working around that type of person. But that situation it worked for them. Any other type of situation, especially on a regular job, no, that's not going to work. That is not going to work. And how would how would today's ball player be? Because to me, I look at today's ball player being a product of the way the way young people are brought up. Most never been spanked. They're talked to a lot, I guess, softer now, so to speak, depending on the household. But how would today's player be if they were around somebody like Jordan? Mm. I don't know. I, I think they'd probably crumble. I think they would probably crumble. Uh, you let me know. What are your comments on that? This is a Fant Line Sports Rant with Marvin Fant. Peace.